Hey, BSN listeners, really excited to tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. Of course, it's Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. These guys' reviews, they're incredible. Make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and it's helped to decrease anxiety. You name it, CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we cannot recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. What's going on, guys? Welcome into the show. Harrison Wind here, middle of the week, middle of Nuggets Summer League training camp. We are presented today, of course, by the good folks over at The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Lots to get to on today's show. We're in the middle of Summer League training camp. Like I said, Nuggets tip off Summer League's action Friday against the Suns. The late slot, the late, late game at Thomas and Mack Center. They play immediately following Pelicans, Knicks. So Zion versus RJ Barrett. So it should be fun to see the guys out there. Michael Porter Jr., Jared Vanderbilt, Thomas Welsh, Brandon Goodwin, a stacked team, I think, for Summer League. So on today's show, what I want to do, I want to talk about Michael Porter Jr., what I'm hearing about him, and just kind of the hype surrounding his Summer League debut, and also what his goals should be for the weekend and for next week in Vegas, You know how he should approach the week, because I think there are a number of different ways he can kind of approach this thing, but I'll give you my take on... Uh, what I think his mindset should be going into Summer League. And then finally get to some questions, a few trade questions as well, a few questions looking ahead to next season. If you guys do have questions for the show, don't hesitate to pop me an email, wind at bsndenver.com. We'll have a couple shows throughout the rest of the week, and then I'll be in Las Vegas over the weekend and into the beginning part of next week for Denver Summer League action. So a lot of great content coming to your guys' way. But, I mean, let's start off with the headliner. Though. Let's start off with the guy everybody's coming to see. You know, we can talk about how excited we're going to be for Jared Vanderbilt at Summer League. And I think he's going to have a chance to really put up some big numbers and showcase a lot of his really unique skill set, his playmaking. I think we're going to see him initiate offense a lot, run the break a la... Pascal Siakam, a la Lamar Odom, when he was kind of in his heyday with the Lakers. I think that's the type of player he's going to be for Denver. I think Thomas Welsh will look really good. I think Brandon Goodwin, who's under a two-way contract with Denver, I think he'll be able to put up a lot of points. Denver also has some interesting undrafted guys that they brought in. I've been hearing a lot of good things about Terrence Davis, the undrafted two-guard out of Mississippi, who I think will start in the backcourt at Summer League alongside Brandon Goodwin and then Porter, Vanderbilt, and Welsh up front. So there's a lot of interesting names, but I think we all know the name that everybody's going there to see, right? Like, I think we know what the storyline surrounding this Nuggets team is going to be throughout the Las Vegas showcase, whether we like it or not. It's going to be the play of Michael Porter Jr. He's probably the second biggest name at Summer League, I would say. Zion Williamson is the biggest, I believe. I think... Michael Porter might be the second biggest. He might draw the second biggest crowd 
you know, at this entire event behind Zion. And to be quite honest, quick tangent, I'm not even sure why Zion is playing in this thing. Like, why does he have to play summer league? Like, I don't really get what's in it for him. To be quite honest, I get what's in it for Thomas and Max Center to sell out the first two days and have day one tickets going for. 300 bucks, you know, on the open market. That's good publicity for them. I get why they want to do it. I get what's in it for ESPN, but I don't really get what's in it for him at Summer League. So anyways, he seems like he's playing. John Morant's not playing. RJ Barrett is playing. A lot of the other top picks are playing as well. But I think Porter is probably the second biggest name, the second biggest draw. And there are going to be a ton of eyes on him. There are going to be people breaking down every mistake he makes, Every shot he hits, every shot he misses, every good play he makes, they'll be breaking down how he looks based on his injury history. If he's shown any effects of that, if it looks like his back is affecting his game or anything, there's just going to be a lot of eyes on him. There's going to be a lot written. There's going to be a lot talked about uh, about Michael Porter Jr. And I expect he'll play maybe three games. I can't imagine he'll play more than that. But over the course of this week at Pepsi Center, going there for summer league practices, and even before that, even towards the end of last season, even over the first month of the offseason into the playoffs, the hype around Michael Porter Jr. has been incredible. There has been an unbelievable amount of hype around this kid who has never played in an NBA game before, who the last time he was in a live five-on-five setting in front of a crowd with referees with another team game planning for him was like 16 months ago at Missouri for one game in March after he missed all that time with the back surgery. So it's been like 15, 16 months since he's played in this environment. But everybody you ask around the team can't stop telling you how awesome he looks. And it's not just like locally... You hear Zach Lowe go on his podcast and say Michael Porter Jr. is going to play significant minutes for Denver next season. Zach Lowe says he will force the Nuggets into making him a part of their opening night rotation. Woj has been saying all summer how good Michael Porter Jr. has looked behind the scenes. And that's the same stuff we're hearing here in Denver. And I got to tell you, to be 100% honest, I'm surprised that the hype is this big. It just doesn't seem like a normal Nuggets thing to do to hype up a guy this much. And it's not just, you know, the stuff you hear in conversations here and there and uh, like that. It's, you know, on the record quotes from players like Jared Vanderbilt and everybody you ask about Michael Porter Jr., how good he looks. Jordan Davis, the Northern Colorado guard, point guard who's on the Nuggets Summer League team, you've heard me talk about him. I, I wrote a little feature on him when he came in for his pre-draft workout with Denver earlier in the offseason. He said he called his mom and told him how awesome MPJ looked in these workouts. It was like watching 2K, he said, how just effortlessly and just how smooth he is on the court and the tough shots he was making. Every player just can't stop talking about how good Porter looks. And it's not just the players, it's the coaches too. Jordy Fernandez, the Nuggets Summer League coach, had this quote on Tuesday. This was following Tuesday's practice. And he says, quote, I've been fortunate to be around really good players, and what I see from him is special. 
And Jordy Fernandez is a guy who came up in the Cleveland Cavaliers organization. He worked out Kyrie Irving at his pre-draft workout in Cleveland. He's been around a lot of all-star and superstar players. But he said, I've been fortunate to be around a lot of really good players. And what I see from him is special. You see things and you don't want to whoa too loud. But yeah, you see it. He's pretty special. And Jordy Fernandez, he's not like a guy to, I don't think, go out of his way to really hype up somebody if there's not reason to sing his praises. He's a pretty straight shooter. I think he's a pretty mild-mannered guy who will just tell you how it is. And I don't think he'd necessarily go super out of his way or really talk about Michael Porter Jr. in hyperbole if it wasn't really the case. And so the comments coming out of Pepsi Center have just been super supportive of how Michael Porter has looked behind the scenes, how he's playing, his prospects for potentially contributing next season. And it's only just gotten, I think, me and probably everybody else, probably all you guys too. That's what I see from Twitter at least. But just that more excited to see what he can do at Summer League. That being said, I don't want to say I don't buy it because I wouldn't be surprised if at these workouts where he's going against the Summer League teammates in a five-on-five setting, he could look really good. You know, some of these guys are undrafted. Most of the guys he's probably going against are undrafted. So I could think he would look really good in those workouts for sure. But I'm not ready to look at everything, every player and the coaches have been saying over the last couple of weeks and say, okay, he's going to flat out dominate summer league and be like a top eight player for Denver next season. I'm not ready to go there yet. Like, I've got to see this guy play a freaking game first, okay? I've got to see him put on a Nuggets jersey for the first time and actually play in a five-on-five game against an opponent before I go that far, before I say, okay, he's going to be a big factor for Denver next season. Now, I could get there by the time Summer League is over, no doubt, but right now, I'm still tempering my expectations. I think he could have a really solid Summer League, and I've explained why I think that way before. I just think from a strength standpoint, he's pretty far ahead of where most of these rookies are going to be. He's been on an NBA weight program for more than a year now. And the bits and pieces you see of his game, he looks pretty fluid. And a lot of the stuff you see is some of these five-on-five scrimmages. He's hitting those fadeaways over two defenders. He's getting into the lane. He's moving pretty well. I don't really think the injury seems to be affecting him that much, but you probably just got to wait to see him at a game, right? Just wait to see him at Summer League. And even then, if he has a great Summer League, I'm not going to come on this podcast and say, okay, he's going to be a 25, 30-minute-per-game player for Denver next season. He could be. I'm just not ready to go there yet. I'm sure a lot of people out there are, but I'm still going to temper my expectations. He could be great. A lot of people in that building at Pepsi Center think he's going to dominate Summer League, I think. He thinks he's going to dominate Summer League. He said a couple days ago, I believe on Monday, that his goal is to go to Las Vegas and dominate. So we'll see what happens. But in terms of how he should approach Summer League, I don't think he should try to do too much. And what I mean by that is I don't think a path to a successful performance for him at Summer League is getting the ball in the wing 
and trying to break down his man one-on-one and either getting by him or taking a step-back fadeaway jumper every possession. He can make really tough shots. That's one thing that's always been a part of Michael Porter Jr.'s game. He's always been an incredibly tough shot maker. He hasn't always been able to get around people, I don't think, like off the dribble. I think if he receives the ball on the wing and the defender's closing out on him, he can take that guy off the dribble. Or if he gets the ball on a pass from, say, Brandon Goodwin and he's going one-on-one with a guy and he's got the whole side cleared for him, I think he can attack that way. But like off the dribble, you know, his hesitation moves between the legs. He's never really seemed like a guy in that sense that is going to get by his man every time. And so I think the path to him having a really successful summer league is playing within the Nuggets system and playing off of his teammates because he's got some NBA caliber players that he'll be playing with. Like Thomas Welsh, I think, could play for some NBA teams out there. Same with Brandon Goodwin. Same with Jared Vanderbilt. Those guys might not play for the Nuggets next year because the Nuggets are kind of loaded. They're like nine deep right now. Porter being that ninth man, most likely. So I think he's just got to play with his teammates, trust the system, try to make plays for others, and the scoring will come, right? If you try to make plays for others, you'll eventually get rewarded. And I think that's the philosophy he should come with the Summer League with. He should definitely look to get his touches. He should definitely look to be aggressive. But he should really let the game come to him. So it should be a really exciting weekend and week for Denver out in Las Vegas. This is a really fun summer league team. One of the funnest I've covered for sure. Porter's obviously the headliner, but Jared Vanderbilt, a guy who I'm really high on, really, really high on as potentially the power forward of the future for this team. Maybe after Paul Millsap moves on or moves into a lesser role. I think he could have a great performance in Las Vegas. I'm pretty high on Brandon Goodwin just as, you know, maybe a third string or maybe a backup point guard. And I like Thomas Welsh, super high IQ team player, good passer, just a high character guy. I like him too. And Vlako Chanchar, obviously, a guy we probably haven't talked enough about because I believe there's a possibility he's on the Nuggets roster next season and a lot of people in Denver in the Nuggets for an office are big fans of his game and some I've even heard think he can contribute next year so again a point I've been getting back to a lot this summer Denver is loaded they're going to be loaded next year they're going to be even deeper than they were last season out in Vegas this coming weekend I'll be providing a ton of content on bsndenver.com ton of written content. We've got the audio stories going as well, which means subscribers to BS in Denver can listen actually to all our stories and have them read to them if they don't have enough time to sit at their computer or whip out their phone and actually read. But head over to bsndenver.com right now if you don't have a subscription, because right now you can get an annual pass that only ends up costing you $3.33 a month. So not a ton of money for great Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, Broncos content. You also get a free t-shirt from the BS in Denver locker as well. You can also download the BS in Denver mobile app on iPhone and Android. A great one-stop shop for all stories, exclusive interviews, analysis, film rooms. That will be coming from Summer League as well. With that, let's hit a break real quick. I want to get to some questions on the other side. We'll be right back. 
If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Welcome back to the show. Harrison Wind here coming to you guys on a Wednesday. We are presented, of course, by The Green Solution. Visit MyGreenSolution.com and use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. In the thick of it with Summer League Training Camp, Denver's first Summer League game Friday, against the Phoenix Suns. Can't wait to see what Michael Porter Jr. and the team has got out in Vegas. We'll have a lot of great content coming to you over the weekend as well on bsndenver.com. Let's get to some questions. This first one comes from Josh, who's coming to us from Sydney. He writes, Good day, huzzah. That is apparently my honorary Australian name for allowing you guys to be part of the show. Thanks, Josh, for that. He goes on to write, now I'm a Jamal Homer. I absolutely love the bloke. Perhaps I'd go as far as my favorite nugget in 13 years. I've been a fan of the team. But like everyone, I was shocked this deal was done so quickly. However, I am soaked with the outcome nonetheless. I want to write in because I've read a lot of Nuggets fans on the social media having a whinge about the big coin, saying they don't think Jamal deserves a max deal. It's almost like they're taking money out of their own pockets. Sure, it is a bit of a punt on a guy who has plenty of improvement needed, but I think people are acting like max deals only go to absolute all-stars. But really, most teams can have two max contracts, maybe three and across 32 teams. It's probably safe to conservatively assume 50 players, therefore, deserve a max. Would any Nuggets fans say Jamal isn't top 50 right now? Furthermore, do they think he won't be by next season start when his deal starts than the four seasons after. The guy's only 22, an absolute gym junkie. Improved in the playoffs, he can become a perfect Robin to our Batman, i.e. Joker. It's such a small chance that he won't get significantly better than he already is right now. Nuggets fans, please calm your farms with the panic and be excited. We're on track to have our own version of Duncan and Parker and Ginobili with Joke, Jamal, and Gaza. I assume that is Gary Harris, I think. Can it be October already? Cheers, Josh. Thanks, Josh, for the call. Like most of you, I think I was a little surprised the deal got done so quickly. I thought it would eventually get done, but not this quickly. But Denver wanted to move fast on it. They wanted to lock Jamal in, and they were good to pay him the max. Look, in this league, it costs a lot of money to keep really good young players. We just saw that with Ben Simmons, who I think right now is probably a little better than Jamal Murray, right? 
He's way better defensively. You know, they both play the point guard position, but they're so different in the types of players they are. I'd say Ben Simmons is maybe a smidge better than Jamal right now, but it's definitely too early to tell who will have the better career for sure. But it costs a lot of money in this league to keep your really good young players, right? And Jamal is looked at as a guy who's only 22 right now, who's not even going to be 24 by the time this deal kicks him. And he's looked at as one of the true up-and-coming potential stars in this league by the Nuggets and by a lot of teams out there. I can assure you if they were to let this deal get to restricted free agency, I bet a team would have thrown a max offer sheet out at Jamal Murray. So it is a lot of money, but the Nuggets do place a premium on retaining their own guys. We know that. They've done that throughout the Tim Connolly era from Wilson Chandler to Neil Gallinari re-upping both those guys to Nicole Jokic and Wolbart last summer to Gary Harris before that and now Jamal Murray. They like to hold on to their own guys if they think they can build with them and they think they can grow with them and they think they're part of their culture. So we're seeing that with Jamal, that he's a guy who the Nuggets want to keep around for a long, long time. Now, giving him a max deal comes with a whole new set of responsibilities. And Jamal is just 22, but he's going to have to grow up very quickly. And I mentioned this a little bit on the pod earlier this week when I broke down his deal and the Nuggets picking up Paul Millsap's team option. But he's going to have to get a lot more mature. He's going to have to shoulder a lot more responsibility than he knows right now. And he's going to have to really commit himself to fixing his faults. He's going to have to commit to being a better defender. He's going to have to be a better leader. He's going to have to keep taking responsibility. And that's actually one thing I wrote earlier this week on bsndenver.com that I think is one of his best qualities at just 22. He's not afraid to shoulder the responsibility for a loss. He's not afraid to take the blame if he misses a last second shot. And even though that's just one play and it's not the reason Denver lost a game, He's willing to take responsibility for that. And I think that's one of his really good qualities at just 22 years old. That's really impressive. But he's going to have even more responsibility going forward. He's going to have more demanded of him from a leadership standpoint, from an off-the-court and locker room standpoint. So he's going to have to grow up in a hurry. I think he can. And Josh says he's a gym rat. He definitely is. I mean, I can just think of countless examples off the top of my head already, like... Last year, Denver would get off the plane from a road trip. He'd go right to Pep Center and get up shots at midnight. After game one of the Nuggets' first round series against the Spurs, remember when Jamal missed that elbow jumper that could have given Denver the win? Well, he missed it. And after the game, while his teammates were showering and leaving the arena, he was upstairs on the practice court with his dad shooting. So he is a gym rat. He is addicted to the game. He does love the game. He does eat, breathe, dream, sleep basketball. So he's got to keep doing that, but he's also got to turn that love, I think, to his faults, right? Like he's got to put as much energy as he does into improving his shot, into improving his play on the defensive end of the floor. For however hundred jumpers he puts up, he's got to watch that many hours of film. So he's got to place a bigger premium on getting better in the weak spots of his game. And I think he is of the mindset and his mentality and the approach he has to the game. I think he certainly can because Denver will be hard on him. Tim Connolly always says how he's 
Very hard on Jamal. Harder on Jamal than anybody else. Michael Malone has said how he coaches Jamal hard because Jamal likes to be coached hard. He'll probably coach him even harder going forward. Tim Connolly, who's committed $170 million to him, will probably be even harder on him going forward. The entire Nuggets front office. Arturis Karnasovas will probably demand more of Jamal Murray going forward. So I'm curious to see how he reacts to being a max player. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And I'm curious to see if he's up to the challenge. I think he could be. Let's go to another question. This one comes from Matt. Got a lot of mini questions in this question. He goes, hi, Harrison. I'm loving your work. Really looking forward to next season. I'm going to take these one by one, Matt. His first question, are you expecting Gary Harris, Nicole Jokic, and Will Barton to find their three-point shots next season? Last year, Nicole Jokic shot 31% from three. Gary Harris shot 34% from three. Will Barton shot 34% from three. I will predict that all three of those guys shoot better from distance than they did last year. Nikola Jokic is better than a 31% three-point shooter, right? He might not be the, what, 38 39% three-point shooter he was not last year, but the year before. Like, he was on fire from three that whole year. Yeah, 39.6% from three in 2018. He might not be that over the course of an 82-game season, but he's not a 31% three-point shooter. I would predict he's like a 35% three-point shooter next season. Gary Harris only shot 34% from three. I think a lot of that probably had to do with the injuries, the inconsistencies, and how he was in and out of the lineup so much. I bet he'll shoot around 37 38% from three next year. And then Will Barton, that also has to do with him coming back from that injury, I would believe. And he just didn't have the rhythm in his game to close the year. I think he's a better shooter than the 34% he shot this season. I would say he's shooting, you know, 365 to 37% next year if I had to estimate. Josh also asks, do you expect Jokic to shoot the same percentage in the next regular season that he just did in the playoffs? Jokic just shot 51% from the field and 39% from three in the playoffs. He was obviously amazing in the postseason, like we've lamented on this podcast before. What a playoff debut. Uh, I think he'll shoot around 51% from the field next year, sure. Not 39% from three. Uh, Maybe, you know, 35. I think Denver would be very happy if he was that type of shooter from three next year. Were Gary Harris and Will Barton's performance issues last year due to a lack of confidence or physical issues or a bit of both? I'd say it was just the health, to be honest. Gary Harris could really never get in a rhythm. It was a frustrating season for him mentally. Will Barton just never had that rhythm as well once he came back from that injury. So I will chalk it up to that. Could Malik Beasley make an all-NBA team in the next five years? Not in Denver. I don't think in Denver he could. He's not going to get the touches playing with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and Gary Harris if he's still here. I don't think. But elsewhere... Sure. I think it's on the table. Like, you're going to tell me if Malik Beasley was in Washington next year or Charlotte next year, he couldn't average 20 points a game in the Eastern Conference? I think he could. Is Mason Plumley practicing his free throws? Why is he so bad at free throws? A lot of big men are bad at free throws. I think that's the best answer I got for you there. But I swear he does work on them. I usually see him at the end of every practice working on his free throws. Can Juancho Aaron Gomez get back 
on the pre-mono trajectory. I think he can. I'm buying all your Wancho stock if you're selling it right now. I think he can. I'm a big Wancho fan. You guys know that. Does Torrey Craig have a low basketball IQ, at least on offense? I'd say it's not as high as Nikola Jokic and Gary Harris, and I guess that's probably a little unfair because those guys have like an elite, elite basketball IQ. So I'd say it's lower than that. Like, is it low for NBA standards? I don't know. I'd say it's probably average. It's fine. It's it's good enough for him to be a really impactful player. Finally, who dresses MPJ? I'm guessing Matt's talking about his suits at the end of the bench, and I would say he does not dress himself. I don't know. Maybe he does, but I would guess he does not dress himself. We learned that not all NBA players dress themselves, especially all NBA guys from New Orleans who are trying to get out of town. Thanks for the question, Matt. Enjoyed all those little ones. I want to hit a break real quick and get to two more questions from you guys. Again, if you ever do have questions for the show, wind.bsndenver.com. I believe the Total Beverage Fan Hotline will come back next week, potentially. I'll check in on that as well. But let's hit a break real quick. A couple more questions on the other side. We'll be right back. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome back to the show. Harrison Wind here on a Wednesday of course, we're presented by The Green Solution. Visit MyGreenSolution.com. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Let's get to a final couple questions here. This one comes from friend of the show, Mario, who writes, Hi, Harrison. Getting excited for the start of Summer League on Friday. But before we get there, I'd like to offer two trade proposals. One I'd love to see happen and another I don't want to see happen. Okay. First trade I want to see happen is the Milwaukee Bucks received a $13 million trade exception in their sign-and-trade with the Indiana Pacers for Malcolm Brogdon. Guess whose salary on the Nuggets fits nicely into that $13 million trade exception? You guys can probably figure out where Mario's going. Will Barton. Exactly. Time to move Will so the young guys can play. Will had his chance, and it's time for him to move on. The Nuggets could trade a second-round pick in the deal or maybe even get a second-round pick back in the deal. Milwaukee could use Will's playmaking and shot-making skills. Seriously, I think Barton would fit nicely on the Bucks team. The second trade I don't want to see happen is the Nuggets trade with the Memphis Grizzlies for Andre Iguodala. Just say no to the mole. 
Most Nuggets fans don't want to see Andre back on the Nuggets. Lastly, it's looking more and more like the Nuggets are not going to sign anyone in free agency. I guess they were serious about running it back. Told you. Thanks. Looking forward to your coverage of Summer League. Thanks, Mario, for the question. All right. The first trade with Will Barton. All right, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, guys. And I know everybody wants Will Barton out of town. And I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be as good as he was in 2017-18 next season. But I think people forget what he did just two years ago when Will Barton had the best year of his career, averaged 16 points per game on 45% shooting from the field, shot 37% from three, five rebounds, 4.1 assists per game, Oh, yeah, he started 40 games that season. It's not even like he was coming off the bench exclusively. Came off the bench for 41 games, started 40. I don't believe he was ever 100% when he came back last season. And if you remember, he was injured in the second game of the year and played great in the Nuggets season opener in L.A. against the Clippers, where he had 19 points on 6-12 shooting, 3-5 of five from 3, 5 rebounds. He got hurt in the next game, never found his rhythm when he came back at the end of the season. Now, like I said, I don't know if he'll look like his 2017-18 self next year. He'll be better than he was last season, though. That wasn't Will Barton. Like, him at the end of the year, that wasn't him. But if Denver was going to look to trade him, Milwaukee's an interesting option. Yeah, they could use another piece, but I don't think he really fits their archetype. They kind of do need another ball handler without Malcolm Brogdon there. So I like it from that perspective. Barton can obviously play pick and roll. He can play make like Brogdon could. They're going to need a guy to handle the ball there, you know, other than Eric Bledsoe. So I'm not sure what Milwaukee does like at backup point guard or even at the two. But I don't know if Barton seems like a Milwaukee Bucks type of guy. Nevertheless, I don't really envision Denver trading him. It's an interesting option, though. It's an interesting option. I think he would definitely add to Milwaukee, definitely add to their bench unit, make him a better team. Uh, your other question there, Mario, about Iguodala. I think Iguodala would be an amazing fit on the Nuggets for sure. Probably have to mend a couple fences here. <laughs> I think all the events around him going to Golden State way back when. I know it seems like it's been lifetimes ago now. I think that's a little still too clear in everybody's mind. I don't think enough time has passed. But no joke, Andre Godal would be a tremendous fit on this team. He's like exactly what the Nuggets need, you know. But seems like he's going to get bought out and go to the Lakers. Probably with Kawhi Leonard. Thanks for the question, Mario. One more I want to get to before we get out of here. I like this question. This comes from Corey. He writes, as teams around the Nuggets in the Western Conference, besides the Rockets make moves, how do you think the Nuggets' continuity helps propel them further in the playoffs? Will internal growth be an advantage? Will we maintain the Northwest Division crown? I like this question, Corey. Last season, Denver got off to a 9-1 and start, and a big reason for that was because of their continuity. I spoke about this at the beginning of last year, and I'll give you guys a break, cut you guys some slack if you don't remember a show from, you know, eight months ago. But... A reason Denver got off to a 9-1 start was because when Denver got to training camp, they didn't have to learn how to play with one another. They didn't have to integrate new parts. They didn't have to mesh together on the court. 
Nuggets were returning 78% of their roster from last year to this past season. They'll return potentially 100%, maybe other than, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Tyler Lydon, maybe, you know, Trey Lyles won't be back. So what, 90-something percent of their roster most likely heading into next year, at least at the beginning of the year. We'll see what they do at the trade deadline or whatnot. But Denver will most likely bring back like 90-plus percent of their roster from last year. And just like that continuity helped them get out of the blocks quick at training camp, really just come in there with a focused mindset, not have to really mesh everybody and not have to work in any new players, new acquisitions, really. They were just off and running, had a great preseason, knew what they were doing on the offensive end of the floor the second they walked through those doors at San Diego State for training camp. And that carried over to the regular season. Wall. The Lakers and other Western and Eastern Conference teams were learning to play together, were learning how all their new parts worked, uh, were learning and getting on the same page. Denver was already there, and that was a reason they got off to that 9-1 start. And sure enough, they never really faded, right? They were at the top of the Western Conference all season, bouncing between the one and two seasons with Golden State. I see a similar thing happening this coming year. I really do. And I know Denver's schedule was pretty nice at the beginning of last season. It wasn't the toughest. But I just see a similar thing unfolding this year. I think Denver's going to get off to another solid start because they already have that continuity. Because everybody's already on the same page. They know how to play with one another. They know what they're running. They know what they're doing on offense and defense now. Everything is set up for Denver to have another really promising start to next season. So that's a big reason it's going to help. It's going to help at the beginning of the year. Well, everybody is kind of taking that period to get to know one another and all these teams are coming together. Sometimes it seems at the last minute now and they're just changing so much throughout the summer. Denver isn't. I think it's going to help the Nuggets out at least immediately. And then the playoffs, the fact that these guys have been to the war together and just gotten that first playoff experience under their belt. And I'm talking mainly about the young guys. Jamal Murray, Nicole Jokic, Gary Harris, three starters last season, and even Torrey Craig, who started some playoff games. It was all their first playoff games, right? They got their feet wet. They know what to expect in the playoffs now. I think they'll be so much more comfortable. So, yes, I think it helps in a lot of different ways. And then finally, Corey, will we win the Northwest Division crown? I think they've got as good of a shot as anybody. I said this earlier this week. I don't think Utah's moves make them the heavy, heavy favorite. I'll still put Denver ahead of Utah. I'm comfortable doing that. Have you seen Utah's bench? Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Their starting five might look good. Their bench, I don't know. And you really need a bench in the regular season to win the Northwest Division. So I think the Nuggets can definitely win the Northwest Division. If you're looking for me to pick a team right now, the win the division, I'll take Denver, followed by Utah, followed by Portland, followed by Oklahoma City, and then finally the Minnesota Timberwolves. That is my July 3rd prediction. Thanks for the questions, guys. Wind at bsndenver.com if you have questions for me about Summer League, about free agency, about Denver next season. That's all the time I got for today. Talk to you guys on Thursday.
The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.